This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, hello, sweet listeners, and welcome back to the In the Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Victoria, otherwise known as Vic in the Meadow in all my corners of the internet. Welcome to the first episode of 2024. After we catch up, we're going to talk about me starting a low buy year, which if you're not familiar with no buy or low buy years, it's essentially setting out for whether it's a month, a year, etc., to set out to buy as little as possible. And we'll get more into why I'm doing that, what my quote unquote rules are and my exceptions in a minute. This is part of the podcast where we catch up, talk about what I've been up to. And if you listen the last few weeks over the holidays, you would know that I did pre-record those episodes a few weeks in advance before they were posted so that I could still try and enjoy my holidays a little bit. Let me tell you, it was quite a few weeks and I am so happy to be done with the holidays and not in a super grinchy way. It was just a very emotional time for me and I was ready to get back to kind of routine, structure. I need that stuff in my life. So many wonderful things about the holidays and I don't want to get hung up on the bad, but one of the biggest things that I realized was really affecting my mental health. Just like I said, that being out of routine, specifically my sleep schedule was really miffed up. I really, really appreciate the structure of going to bed with my partner and going to sleep at the same time. And with us being off and him being a night owl, I was just up like every hour in the night until he would come to bed at like four in the morning. I I was just not sleeping well. I wasn't feeling great. Eating a lot of chocolate and like stuff outside of my norm was just not good for my digestion. I learned that I am more sensitive to dairy than I once thought. It was just a weird, interesting time. And that week between Christmas and New Year's, everything was a little wonky. I worked a few days in there, but it was the first week that I didn't have weekly therapy because my therapist was off for the holidays and we love that for her. I've been doing weekly therapy since the end of September for exposure response prevention therapy for my OCD. And this was the first time we took a week off. I actually have therapy later this morning when I'm recording this. That'll be my first time since the holidays playing catch up. It was really interesting. It felt like the longest 
two weeks ever. It's interesting because in previous parts of my life, I've done therapy once a month. And now I'm like, wow, two weeks has felt like an eternity. And I wasn't great about doing my ERP homework over the holidays. And my therapist was really compassionate with me right before the holidays and letting me know to just do what I can because I was very, very emotional in my last therapy session, just with big feelings around the holidays. And I'm trying to take away those expectations for myself. But yeah, getting back into the groove of things this week, getting back into therapy, which I think soon I'm probably going to do an episode about ERP therapy and what that's looked like for me and how that's going in my whole OCD journey because I've had a lot of requests to talk about that. Anyways, what else is new? Oh, I haven't actually recorded since I had... New Year's, Christmas, the whole shebang. Our New Year's was super, super quiet. And again, I've learned that I get weird when my sleep schedule is all messed up and we were just staying home for New Year's. We ordered in sushi. We were watching Desperate Housewives because I'm currently doing a rewatch. And then I was just reading in bed, kind of waiting for the clock to go. And I had had some cheese and crackers right before bed and then tried to sleep oh my god the heartburn and reflux i had to go sleep half sitting up on my recliner on the couch because i just felt so unwell just funny because the same thing happened on christmas eve so i'm also like was it like a stress response i don't know but it's been it's been a heck of a few weeks also very exciting going into the new year my book club picked all of our books for the new year and i am currently reading our january read which is things we never got over by Lu i want to say it's a lucy score book and now i'm second guessing myself anywho it's a fluffy romance novel i am not loving it so far the male main character is just kind of a turd the way they're talking about periods in the book right now is giving me the ick just with the way they're, I don't know, almost making fun of them. It's all just, I don't know, not my vibe. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I finished Manacled and all I want to do is read Draco and Hermione fan fiction. However, I've kind of got ideas in my head of books that I would like to read first before I dive deeper into that, even though I want to, which kind of correlates with my low by no by year. And we'll get into that with the book section eventually. Anyways, yeah, that's pretty much what's been new and happening in my life. A whole lot of not too much. Today, I'm also taking all my Christmas decorations down. My folks are going to come with some bins to graciously store all my Christmas stuff in their basement since small apartment living, I have no storage. And again, I feel ready. I put my Christmas stuff up in the start of November, so it's been up for a long time. And I'm so ready to just... Get it all down and just have a little bit more space, less quote unquote clutter. It's not clutter to me. I love my Christmas stuff, but it's to just reassess my space. And I feel like when my space is organized and how I like it, my brain feels more organized and how I like it. That has been much needed to get cleared away. So anyways, now let's get into talking about starting a low buy year and what this means to me. Like I said, with it being the start of the new year, I have been spending this week getting my taxes ready. I'm self-employed in my day job as well. Thus, I have to file my taxes kind of twice. If you know, you know I'm registered for HST, so I have to submit my provincial taxes and then do my overall income tax as well. And my provincial tax is due, I think, end of February. I just like to get everything 
organized, wrapped together, and sent to my accountant in the first week of January so that she has ample time in her life to get it done when she has time. Also gives me a really good financial idea of where I'm at from the last year and to kind of project that a little bit into the next year. Now, what I have learned so far, and yes, we're gonna be talking about finances for a little bit because this low buy year does have to do a little bit with financial goals. Eh, maybe goals isn't the right word. Security, I don't know. You know, what I learned is the interesting inconsistency and surprises that come up in life year to year. Looking back at my 2022 taxes that I had to obviously pay tax on last year and then adding up this year, I made considerably more in 2022. This is normal and self-employed world. Things fluctuate and I was thinking back and I was like, right, this year I pretty much had, I think like almost two months of barely working when my dog had got sick and then passed away. That obviously takes a really big hit when you're self-employed and don't get paid sick days or paid bereavement days, days off, whatever. It was really interesting for me to consider and is kind of what pushed me to start this low buy year was just doing my 2024 budget sheet based on my 2023 expenses and income that I was adding up and seeing where my base financial needs are month to month going into the new year, which we'll talk about the budget again in a minute. But to get back into kind of what this all is and why I'm doing it. So even though do you already like statistically make below the provincial average for where I live? I try to live below my means. And this is something that my parents always taught me as well in times when we were like poor and had to sell a house to them finding financial security. I talked about this before in a lot of the podcast episodes, but I really just want to find joy and fully enjoy my downtime and not have financial stress completely consume me. But in this economy, a lot of you are probably like, okay, but that's not realistic. Like we're all always stressed about money all the time. And Lord, I, I understand that. I really do. But that is exactly why I want to get into this low by year to change my mindset of what I think is quote unquote normal. I saw a really great video by Madeline Pendleton on TikTok the other day talking about cars and what quote unquote financial experts, whatever that means, talk about cars in North America. What we can actually afford. She was saying that with the financial experts, what they say is that a car, like the total price of a car should only be 10 to 20% of your annual salary. So many people that make 30 to $50,000 are going out and buying a $30,000 brand new Toyota RAV4. Those monthly payments are going to cut big into your income. The, The point of that all was, was that she's saying in North America, because of marketing and keeping up with the Joneses, it's become so normalized to live outside your means, but think oh, it's normal. Everyone's making these payments. Everyone is struggling. I want to take that angle of what can I cut out to simplify my life, realistic with my budget, to be happier and less stressed about money, even if that means cutting out some things that have been quote unquote normal in my life. I've kind of started this out with redirecting my relationship with what's necessary, right? And just mulling over and unnormalizing something. So a few things that I wrote down in my little list that I've been kind of thinking about that I maybe have done a lot of before in the past and am questioning if that's gonna carry into this low by year. First one, and this is something I've been mulling over for the last year or so, is streaming services. This one is really interesting to me because when I was growing up and Netflix was kind of coming into fruition, that was 
the main event. I don't even remember if there were other streaming services at the time. I don't think Amazon even had Amazon Prime Video yet. I think it was just the Amazon Prime delivery. It was a one and done like $4.99 a month service. And throughout the last decade, it's really branched off into all these different, right? We have Amazon, we have Crave, we have Disney Plus, we have Netflix. In the States, you have Hulu. And then we get into Spotify, people that have like those new Aura rings that have an app subscription service. All these monthly fees that start compounding and adding up and we don't even think about them because in our head, we're like, oh, well, it's only $12 or $20. Those can add up really quickly where suddenly you're looking at your financial statements and you're like, oh, okay, well, suddenly I'm spending over $100 on subscription services. That's equal to a phone bill, which in my budgeting sheet, phone bill is non-negotiable. I use it for work. I need it for safety. In my head, streaming services are just not on an equal level of importance as my phone. Anywho, my thought here was I need to streamline my subscription services because the way it was going, it was just not in line with how I wanted to live my life, my financial values, who I'm giving my dang money to. I have already cut back on subscription services a lot. The only one that I currently pay for video-wise is Amazon Prime Video, which we'll talk about in my exceptions, but is because I use Amazon Prime for my day job for business expenses. That goes along with my other subscription that I use, which is Spotify, which again gets written off as a business expense at the end of the year. Anyhow, it's something that I need without ads for my office. Other than that, I actually decided to cancel my Kindle Unlimited subscription. If you have a Kindle, it's essentially like a streaming service for books. You pay it, I think it comes out to like $11.50 with tax a month and you get access to a library of books that you can borrow. Let me tell you, there's also a free library where you can go and borrow books. We'll get into that when we talk about books and my goals with this low buy year for books. Anywho, the next one that I was pondering is takeout and food delivery. I am sure every single one of you listening, if you live in North America and if you live in Europe, I'm really curious on this one too. Has takeout fast food gone up exorbitantly in price? Because if I go to A&W now to get my veggie burger, it is like $15 for a to-go veggie burger and fries. That's some people's hourly wage. It's bananas to me. With food delivery services, I keep the Uber Eats app deleted off my phone. And this is something I started doing in the last year. It takes away the ease and the temptation. If I really, really, really want takeout, I can call it in and go and pick it up. This holy guacamole. Those Uber fees are no joke. You look at what you're paying, which often the restaurants are already having to list all the food for a dollar or two more on Uber Eats. Yes, look it up. That's true because of the Uber fee that they're taking from them. So you're already overpaying for your food and then you're paying for the delivery. Again, understandable, but especially if you have your own car, do you really need to be paying for delivery? It's something that I've been thinking about. Then you're paying for your tip for the person working, delivering your food, of course. Then there's these mysterious service fees and quote unquote other fees. And suddenly there's an extra $20 tacked onto your meal. I have just been pondering that. I'm not in a tax bracket where that makes a lot of sense or is justifiable. So that's one of the things I've been considering. Another one, and this is a hard one, is home decor. The internet has really obviously normalized overconsumption in a lot of ways. Seasonal decor and home decor is one that I am constantly seeing. It's like nobody is ever happy with what they have. It's never enough. Always going to browse the home goods, the home sense, and don't get me wrong, I have been a home sense lover in the past. This past fall and Christmas, I stopped going because I realized when I went to just browse for fun, I was suddenly 
spending money and often bringing things home where I was like, I, I don't even know if I have room for this. And when you take the temptation away, then obviously you can't go and spend the money. Let me tell you, it is not normal to swap out all your decor seasonally. It's not normal for you to own 12 different throw pillows that you have a closet for. Oh my gosh, there's a girl on TikTok with a throw blanket closet. I think she has two where it's just blankets, like throw blankets hanging up her collection. This is Kardashian level shit. This is not the average income level of purchasing power. And I think to some people that they might say that that's important. Again, this is completely just my opinion. I would rather have an extra couple hundred dollars tucked away for groceries than to have a closet full of throw blankets. And that's exactly where I'm going with this whole thing. And we're going to talk about my goals in a second. But home decor is a big one. It's a really big one. I think it's one that a lot of us struggle with. And I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. Even if it's going to the thrift store, looking at the mugs, looking at the fun little wooden section, looking at the trinket section, because thrifting is still consuming. Another one that I have is considering if body care, skin care, and hair care what is necessity? I mean this both from a where am I shopping and what items am I purchasing standpoint. I talked about this a little bit in the comments of my 2024 ins and outs Instagram post, but over consuming skincare has become so, so normalized online. And who benefits from that the most? The companies that are selling you this overpriced skincare. I am so looking at you, drunk elephant. All of the 12 year olds I am seeing on TikTok who ask their parents for drunk elephant products that their skin absolutely does not need at 12 years old anyhow is so wild. There's become this phenomenon of skincare influencers who are using 12 toners and this, that, and that. And again, there's a difference between what makes you happy and what's in your budget versus making people think it's a necessity or it's gonna save their skin. There's a few angles here that I've been considering. One is that all of our skin, our hair type, whatever, is so, so different that someone's holy grail product for them, it's not a guarantee that that is going to save your skin. Into the day, working with a dermatologist, if you have access to one, is the best way to approach this. But again, it is not normal to need or think you need 12 steps in your skincare routine. There are legitimately people I've seen on TikTok saying that they're in credit card debt and they have gone broke because of this expensive skincare routine that they've set themselves up for every month. That's a pit I do not want to fall into. I used to struggle with my skin a lot. I'm knock on wood at a pretty good place with it now, but up until my mid-20s, all through teenage years, I struggled with acne. I still struggle with body acne, but not so much on my face anymore. And the one consistent thing that doctors have always told me is to use a very gentle, basic cleanser. I'm talking like Cetaphil is the one here in Canada that they always recommend, you know, if you're undergoing whatever specific acne treatments, something with salicylic acid, you can get in Panoxyl at, again, the drugstore. And same thing, an unfragranced basic lotion. The fewer ingredients, the better. Once again, CeraVe, Cetaphil here. Then on top of that, I've been on prescription creams and Inter internal pills? What's the word I'm looking for? All pills are internal. Oral pills, whatever, you know what I'm trying to say, for treating the acne. Anywho, all that to say, my point is, from the professionals that I've talked to, and this is just me, in my life, the things that my doctor was suggesting were both relatively cheap and affordable, things that you could find at the drugstore, and didn't involve 12 items from Sephora. When you think of it that way, I think you can assume no doctor or skincare specialist out there is going to tell you that you need 12 overpriced skincare products from Sephora. I know that's a whole tangent I could get into 
on my own. And again, some of these things are probably going to make people sit with a little bit discomfort if you think that these are needs. And I used to be that person and I'm really working through it because it's not normal. It is not normal for the average income person to be living with these beauty expectations and standards of what their routine consists of just because we see an influencer with it on TikTok, which those influencers are getting these PR packages of thousands of dollars of skin and hair care sent to them for free. Anyhow, they're not purchasing that themselves. My general thought from like pondering some of these big themes in my life that maybe I am having an unnecessary relationship with is to overall dumb my life down to stop seeking joy from purchases. So what am I hoping to work through with this low buy year? Why, why am I doing this? One of the big ones is I want to work through that keeping up with the Joneses mentality. I don't need a Stanley cup for the aesthetic when I have a perfectly good insulated cup that I got from Winners a few years ago that keeps my water cold enough. I'm not going on hikes for 12 hours of the day in the forest. I need a bottle in 35 degree weather to keep my water cold for those full 24 hours. I live in an apartment where if I need to and my cup only keeps it cold for 10 hours before bed, I can go to the kitchen and dump it out. And I have the blessed access to clean running water, I can refill it. All of these micro trends that pop up that we see people saying is a must have online or just the quote unquote aesthetic. And that's a word I wish just didn't exist anymore. Like I already touched on too, skincare is a really big one where you see online that a brand like the Road Lip Care is growing really popular. Paying for the packaging, you're paying for the name. And one of the mentalities, I guess, that we've talked about before, again, is to remember that no one cares as much about you as you. No one is analyzing when you're out in the cafe that you're using the road lip treatment and oh, you must be so cool. Even if someone is, is that really the main takeaway that you want to be acknowledged for? These are the things I like to think about. And I know for some of us, there's that like wounded inner child that we have to work through with this shopping addiction for some people, overspending. And if you grew up poor and you have that not enoughness feeling, you grow up and you have a credit card or a real job, suddenly all your base expenses get ignored and you're like, oh, well, I have real money now. I can go out and I can buy the new clothes, the new hair care, all the things that the cool kids are using that I didn't get to keep up with when I was little and maybe I got made fun of. I am not a professional. That is a deeper issue that if you have the privilege of working with a therapist is something you could unpack with them, but it's something that you should at least be aware of and think, okay, it's okay to not have all of the quote unquote must-ups because they're gonna change, they're gonna cycle through in six months anyways and be new things that you have to purchase and spend more money with. And again, humble yourself and remember that nobody's coming in to look at the aesthetic of your skincare cabinet. Nobody's looking inside your bag unless you're doing a what's in my bag video on TikTok. Most people don't even care what bag you have. If you spent $100 on it for like the Lululemon uh, crossbody fanny pack thing that I can't remember the name of right now. Or if you have the 12 year old bag that you got at Target, but whatever it might be. My point here is just separating my mentality from the herd mentality. Especially being a woman myself, I feel a lot of pressure with. There's a lot of pressure. I see people online where they normalize going to get their nails done once a month or even twice a month. Something I've always known is outside of my budget. I like to do all of these things and go get my hair done and my eyebrows done and my nails done and a wha whatever, all of these things. 
Of course, I would love that. We would all love to live the luxurious celebrity lifestyle. It's not realistic for me. I've gone through phases where there's been years at a time where I just either didn't get my hair done or did it myself at home because it wasn't in budget. Very rarely get my eyebrows professionally done because again, it's just something not in my budget and I can pluck them out. Would it maybe look better if I got it professionally done? Sure. But again, that's not an end of the world, make it or break it for me. Nobody in my day-to-day -day life is hyper-analyzing my eyebrow shape. Okay, bringing it back onto the focus again. Another thing that I want to be mindful of this year and work on is avoiding using shopping as a coping mechanism or an escape. There's so many times where at the end of the day, we're scrolling Instagram, we're scrolling TikTok, and we're just seeing shit we want to buy. Going to your Amazon cart and adding stuff. Or just like doom scroll shopping, going to your favorite clothing site, whether it's Old Navy, Free People, and making a wish list, none of that. None of that. That is not a hobby, unless you're Paris Hilton. And I think it's a way to reconnect with yourself and find real hobbies that don't involve just spending. You're lusting to be more than you are. I think there's also a piece to that of just being happy with what I have and my life as it is. Feeling abundance and enoughness because I have enough. I have a furnished apartment. I have a closet full of clothes. Main goal is to keep a fridge full of food. I want to free up time. I want to reduce clutter and I want to simplify my life and my routine. Okay, so where did I start with setting this up, getting myself set up for this year of low buy. And I also want to say, I say low buy, not no buy, because I think putting too many restrictions on things can set you up for failure in your head or disappointment. I say low buy in that I know I'm still going to buy things. That's the way it goes. Things are going to come up and we'll talk about my rules and my exceptions, but I'm just going at this with self-compassion that it's a guideline, but not a strict and no black and gray project. Oh, where did I start? I did my non-negotiable budget spreadsheet with my rent, my phone, my Wi-Fi, gas, approximate that I need to spend on groceries, and the, so those couple subscriptions that I mentioned that I know I will be keeping in my monthly budget. Throw in Excel, and I have an old video on my Instagram that maybe I'll reshare when this episode goes live so you can see my spreadsheet and what it looks like. But I make my spreadsheet, I list all those expenses, and I go into my bank statements, I find out what it is with tax to the cent, I put it in a column. And then I break that down to monthly and weekly. And I have I have a separate monthly column because things like my rent, I live with my partner, that gets split in half. So I put my half in there so I know what I'm spending from that total. And then I break it into fours. Okay, what am I paying per week for all of my expenses? It's really interesting to look at and see just how much those base expenses do cost you every month or even every week. If you're somebody that has a salary, this is going to be really easy for you to break down and do your budget from when you have the same amount of money that you can expect to be coming in every month. You work hourly, different shifts, or self-employed. For us, it varies a little bit more. So that's why I find it extra important to have so that I can ensure every single month that money is getting set aside first before I even consider spending money. Even before I did a low buy year, this is a rule I've been following for the past couple of years where every month I'm not getting takeout, I'm not even getting a to-go coffee, I'm not going shopping of any kind until all those base expenses have money set aside for for the following month. I was also luckily raised in a pretty financially literate household once I was in my teenage years 
And I was raised in a household of, you don't use your credit card unless you have the money to pay that purchase off right away. That is nuanced, of course, but this is my show and this is just my experience and I'm not an expert. Obviously, emergencies happen. But going to Target or going get even a new pillow unless yours got peed on or something is, is not an emergency. Anywho, so for me, setting up that budget sheet for the year with my updated rent price, my updated insurance for my car, my home, a really good place to start. And now I know, like I said, those base expenses so that I can meet those necessities first. Just reprioritizing your finances. And then instead of looking at any leftover money as spending money, I'm challenging myself to set any extra aside for my emergency fund. So right now my emergency fund, that is living expenses. So right now I have three months of all of those monthly living expenses that I talked about set aside. And like I just talked about in this last year, why that's so important, and this is something I've always done, is because of things like job loss, injury, financial hardship, your dog getting sick and passing away. My partner, he's not self-employed, but he also ended up quitting his job and had two months off, not having any income, when Boo was sick and passed away because he needed that for his brain. Being set up with this emergency fund was essential and I have been able to rebuild that back up since I used it. My goal here in this low buy year is I know that having my emergency fund of three months is doable. It's doable to get there throughout a year. Focusing on bringing in less frivolous things, I am really hoping to get that up to six months in my emergency fund of living expenses. And I, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be a little transparent here with money because I think that it can be a weird world where we don't disclose that. And I'm so nosy and love to know what people make. This year before taxes, so my gross income is about $45,000, which again, for me is completely livable. I expected it to be about that due to having almost two months off. Just for anyone else out there who maybe makes similar and thinks like, well, I am struggling to get by. I cannot be setting aside for three months of an emergency fund. It's, it is doable. And I, like, I mean that with peace and love and I know everyone's situation is different, but again, it comes down to reassessing your necessities and your standard of living and maybe lowering that a little bit. For me, this varies month to month. Like I said, some months I am making more than others. There have been months where I'm able to set aside an extra $700 in that month. And there we go. I've got an extra month of living expenses started. Some months where I set aside zero, which is not in the budget, emergencies come up, our needs fixed, whatever it might be. But every month I set a general goal where I say, okay, let's try and set aside $200 towards that emergency fund. If it happens, great. Some, like I said, some months it's more than that. That's great. Some months there's nothing. And for me, it feels balanced out where I'm not hard on myself for those months where I'm not setting stuff aside because I know there's other months that come up where maybe there's like the tax benefits that come through, or maybe I have some extra work that month and it all balances out. There's no sense being hard on yourself. Again, it's guidelines and a goal, but not something that you can, that you need to beat yourself up for because finances are such a tricky, tricky topic and fragile situation. How though, for me, my point is that is where I'm starting and why I'm doing this low buy year mixed in with all the things we talked about before with the mentality as well. So what is this low buy year gonna look like for me? My quote unquote rules, I don't love the word rules, guidelines per se. These are my goals though, in what I want to actively not spend money on. No new clothes. 
And this is going to be an interesting one for me. I'm not much of a shopper anyhow in the sense of going in person, but there's a lot of things I see on Instagram of these little boutiques or seamstresses, makers, whatever, and I bookmark something and I suddenly really want it. But do I need it? No. This no new clothes rule is going to include thrifted things as well. And if something rips or starts to wear out, I really want to focus on trying to mend the clothes I already have first. Doing simple sewing on a pair of socks, a button replacement for the jeans that maybe I need to let the waistband out a little bit in. And worse comes to worse, if the garment is worn out, it's not wearable anymore. Trying to be happy with art, with what I already have first. And then if I really feel I need to replace that garment, maybe it's a work shirt or pants that I need for my job, I will go out and buy a new pair only if I need to. This rule for me also is gonna include no new shoes because I have enough. I do not have room for more shoes, even if I wanted to in my small living space. That's the first one that is a really big one for me. And I'm interested to see how that goes. Again, I have a closet full of clothes, full of pieces that at one point in time, I was so excited to bring into my wardrobe. And I want to reignite my relationship with my wardrobe and that feeling of abundance. Just appreciate what I already have and stop constantly lusting over other things when I already have so many options of things to wear now. Next guideline per se is no to go coffees or teas, coffee shops, and to only go if I have a gift card or points to use. I know we are on a Starbucks boycott right now anyways, but for example, with Starbucks, my credit card has a point system where I can use those points toward things like Amazon, Starbucks, or paying off my visa. And this past year, what I did was I tried my best to only buy Starbucks if I was converting my credit card points to my Starbucks app to get free drinks. So similar idea, or maybe there's a loyalty program where you've got a card with all the punches for your local coffee shop that you can use up. For me, that is an important one because to-go coffee has gotten really expensive and spending over $5 on a coffee, for me, it's just not in my budget, even though I know for some people that's their happiness or you think that's not gonna make or break your financial position. Just for me, I've decided that that is something that I need to stop doing can find joy and little joys in my day in other ways without spending $5. Not in a financial position where I can have a fun little sweetie treaty a couple times a week. I would rather that $5 go towards my emergency grocery fund for if there's a time where I'm struggling and need to put food on my table rather than that quick fix of an overpriced medicine ball tea. Which, by the way, with this boycott, I have learned to make at home and it is even yummier than Starbucks. And my partner agrees with me. That's really pumped up my ego. And I have a client as well who was saying that she was trying to make her own syrups and sauces at home. She, she is a baker, I will say. She, she already has a good knowledge of uh, making stuff, but she wanted to make her own drinks at home so that she wasn't supporting Starbucks. That was kind of what inspired me. I was like, yeah, no, I can do this too. You're so right. It's been fun and it's been just as delicious. So that's one of my guidelines. Again, we already talked about this. The next one is no new home decor. And then in brackets, I said, allowing myself five pieces because I love fall. Like I said, I struggle with seasonal decor when it comes to fall and Christmas because I love Halloween 
and Christmas. I think I'm starting this at a good time because I don't really ever buy decor for spring and summer anyways, but when it comes to fall and the holidays, I often get sucked into Home Sense or Spirit Halloween and buying more things. So that's going to be my goal going into that time of year in the second half of 2024 is just being mindful of spending, not putting wild restrictions on myself. Like I said, five pieces, whether it's a mug, a blanket, a statue, I don't know, whatever it might be. We're really going to think on that item before buying it Anyhow, I'm not going to buy it of scarcity thinking, well, what if it's not here next time I come back? Mentalities are what get you with things like winners and home scent. My thought is I like to give myself a week to think on a purchase. If it's not there when I go back, it wasn't meant to be. That is the one that I think I'm going to have the biggest struggle with this year is just home decor, which is a big umbrella, right? For me, that encompasses things like wall art, candles, plateware, mugs, little trinkets, wh whatever it might be. My next rule is no new skincare, body care, or hair care until I run out of a product. Not bringing any new steps into my shower, into my skincare, into doing my hair until I run out of that product. Not going and buying a bunch of body washes from Bath and Body Works just because they're having a semi-annual sale. Do I need body wash is the question. Do I already have a half full bottle of body wash in my shower? Now, this is where my exceptions come in because I do like to have a backup of my products for again, case of kind of like financial hardship, things like COVID that happened where you can't go to the store. For me, I let myself have one backup typically where if I start to run low on body wash, I do get another one and put it in the closet so that when that one runs out, I can go to my closet rather than have to run to the store when you desperately want to shower but realize you're out of soap. The point is not having a backstock of all these body lotions where suddenly you've got five opened body lotions going on. Nope, I wanna use up what I have. So this is kind of like a low buy and project use it up year. I love having only one of most things. It takes away decision fatigue, which is really real for a lot of people. What I mean by this is when I go into the shower, I have one body wash. I have one body wash, one shampoo, one conditioner, and my face wash and my razor, and that's my shower. Not options for me to reach from. It simplifies my routine. I'm not having to think. Go to do my makeup, I have one eyeshadow palette. I have one lip oil concealer. I don't own foundation because it's not something I wear. Things like that. That's something that I kind of do already do, but a guideline going into this year to continue doing so that I am simplifying my routines, not giving in to the overconsumption that advertisers are marketing skincare and body care and hair care to on the internet these days. We talked about with the takeout. My kind of guideline here is if I'm getting takeout or to go, it is using my cash, which I know this doesn't work for everyone. If you're like a waitress or something or somewhere where you get tips with cash, this is something maybe you already kind of use a guideline for where you're like, okay, my cash goes to X, Y, and Z. Now, maybe I could do another episode wholly on budgeting because this episode is already getting a little long. But with the cash payments that I do process through my day job, I already use those to start my budgeting as well. I have a cash envelope that I stuff that I always keep full of a certain amount for gas, one for my quote unquote extras. For me, my extra this year is getting my hair done. So I've got an envelope stuffed with cash for that so that that doesn't come out of my, you know, on the books budget, if you will. And then if those envelopes are full to where I want them to be and I have a little bit more cash, that's when I consider, okay, if I want to get out and go to A&W, can you tell that's my go-to spot for takeout? Then I'll take that cash and I'll go so it's not cutting into my actual in my bank account grocery fund. So that's a guideline I'm gonna go into this year with. And these last two, no new candles, unless I am completely out. I was actually gifted a few candles for Christmas this year, so 
I should be set for a while because I actually don't burn candles that often. I've also got a few boxes of incense to use up. No new, no new candles or smelly goods. And the last one, no new tea until I am out of a box. I have like three boxes, three different brands and boxes of sleepy time tea right now. So that's really the main one. I only have one box of my peppermint and one of my peach that I use for my medicine ball tea. And I'm just gonna work on going through my sleepy teas before I decide to try any new ones. Those are my main guidelines. Now, what are my exceptions? Because again, I don't wanna be super restrictive. This one is to not beat myself up if I slip up, have compassion for myself and then redirect and remind myself of the purpose of why I'm doing this. And if there's something with a receipt where I can go and return it and decide to do that, I can always do that. But in general, when things come up because they will, because that's life or an opportunity comes up, whatever it might be, being kind to myself. And again, that's why I'm calling it a low buy and not a no buy year. This next one is one that I said we were gonna circle back to and that is books, not going no buy on books. Books are my one hobby that I spend a lot of time on and really enjoy, but I'm going to refocus the way that I consume books in 2024. Like I said, I canceled my Kindle Unlimited subscription. I did that over hundred bucks a year for me, just maybe wasn't something I was gonna need this year. But my goal here is to, first and foremost, work through my physical TBR pile of used books that I have. I think I've got like 40 books right now that I've been collecting from the used bookstores. Cause you see a book and you're like, oh, $3? Right, but I have a good stack of books out there. So my goal, and again, this is with compassion to myself, is to work through my physical TBR, to be read, pile and Maybe, I'm sure in the meantime, I will pick up another book or two, but being more selective at the used bookstores when we go about what I'm bringing in, working through that pile first and foremost, mostly though, utilizing the library more, both the physical library, I have a branch in my neighborhood and the Libby app. I already love the Libby app. I borrow all my audiobooks through Libby. You won't catch me paying for Audible. The library is so awesome to borrow your audiobooks through for free. And with my Kindle, like I said, I've been really into reading fan fiction on Archive of Our Own and you can look it up, but it's really easy to download that onto your Kindle. And fan fiction is all free to the community. Also stuff your Kindle days that happen four times a year where authors offer books for free. Here in America, you can also put your library borrows onto your e-reader. You can't do that here in Canada for some reason. We can only read the e-file books on our phones, which is strange. Overall, that is my book goal, but still letting myself go to the used bookstores. And that's something that I am okay with spending a little bit of money on this year in my low buy year, but also the key there, only used books, not buying any books new. Again, like the, the money, it's just, it ain't there for me. Rather see that go to building my emergency fund because I already have an abundance of books that I have access to, or if there's a new release, I can go to my library and join the waitlist to borrow the book. And another exception, like I said, just thinking on things. If there's something that I do really want, think about it for at least a week before I order it or go back to the store to buy it, unless it's a necessity again oil for the car. You can kind of already, when you do your budget, figure out what your necessity purchases are. And for me also work expenses, those are obviously having to be okay. I'm gonna need to buy things like soap for my bathroom at my office, supplies that I need. Again, still being careful with those in what's in need, not buying new decor for that. And then this one's a tricky one. I'm not an overly social person to begin with. So social gatherings and social outings isn't gonna be a really, tricky one for me because I, I don't, I don't really 
have a social battery. I'm, I'm not much of a social person, which I think is hard for some people to relate to. I voice memo my best friend who lives out east every single day. And I feel like I'm talking to people every single day because we are physically talking aloud to each other throughout the day. And like, that's enough for me. I don't, I don't know if it's just like, I work with the public. So I get my fill of people throughout the days that I come home and I'm like, I would like really rather stay in with my book than go out with friends. That's one where for me personally, that's not going to be tricky for me. Maybe in your, if you're doing a low by year, that's something you'll have to consider. So I kind of wrote in like once a month social outing within reason. And for me, going out to catch up with a friend over dinner, no. Like for me, I would maybe redirect that into saying, well, let's go out and get coffee or like, let's just go for a walk or come over to my house. Maybe there's a concert you really want to go to with your friend and that's something that you want to do and that's worth it to you. Things like that. Make room for those still in your life. So now let's talk about my little my little tips that I wrote down for myself. Unsubscribe from all the emails. When you get an email from whether it's Walmart, Bath and Body Works because you shopped there before a small business, maybe it's Bagu. Scroll to the bottom of that email and click unsubscribe. Takes the temptation away. You're not even thinking about them. You're not seeing that email come in, letting you know that there's new arrivals. Unsubscribe. The next one also is leave loyalty store programs. You don't need the VIB status at Sephora. You don't have to give all these stores your email and your phone number to collect points. I say no thank you to all of that. Again, just further taking out the temptation. A lot of people think, oh, well, maybe I'll get deals. Spending no money is saving you more than spending money on a sale is the way I like to think about it. So for me, that's something that I'm doing. Avoiding temptation, no window shopping, no going and browsing stores just for fun. If you're shopping online, never save your card on file. This way, if you're again going to do a purchase, you have to physically go walk to your bag, get out your wallet, get out your card, input the information. This is both great for cybersecurity reasons and financial reasons of it just adds that extra step into you having to go physically perform an action to go get your card before you buy something. Delete apps from your phone in general. Delete the Amazon app, delete Uber Eats. Don't give yourself the ease of going in to spend money. Make yourself take that extra step to re-download an app, re-sign in, remember your password before you even get to the ability to spend. Like I said, redirect plans. Maybe someone wants to go shop, go for a walk instead. Someone wants to go out for coffee, have them over to your house for tea. I want, I really want to rediscover my current closet and hobbies. So that time that maybe I would be watching TikToks or things related to consumerism and going and getting back to knitting with the bag of yarn that I already have, being the stack of books that I already have on the porch and bird watching. Another one I like to do with my closet is going on Pinterest and typing in pieces I already have to get outfit ideas. Maybe, I don't know. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I know this isn't for everyone. I love Pinterest though. Oh, say my blue pinstriped oversized button up I have. Go into Pinterest, blue oversized button up outfits. And then you can get outfit ideas with pieces you already have to put together similar outfits and rediscover and have fun with things you already own. Mostly, I want to learn to sit with the quiet and repetition. I'm doing this to disrupt my life. I'm doing this to disturb the patterns in my life and the way that I think about money and think about spending. We're in a society where we are so impersonal with money to begin with. I live in a pretty cashless 
world. Here in Canada, I don't know, I don't think this is the same in the States, but here in Canada with your debit card, your credit cards, you can just tap them. You don't have to put in your pin anymore for most places that you go. It's a quick wave of your card out the window to the debit machine. They have Apple Pay on their phone. You tap your phone, go order something online. Half the time you sign into PayPal or you already have your credit card signed in. You're not even thinking of seeing physical money. It's just a concept of numbers when you're buying things. So detached and impersonal that it's it's really easy to spend money without thinking of the implications of seeing that money physically leave your hands. Those are my tips. This is my start to my low buy year. We'll see how it goes. That's that's my plan. That's all she wrote. Who's been interested in these? I read a book. I can't remember what it was called. It was a, a story about someone's low buy slash no buy year and I was really inspired by that. And I've seen a couple of people post over the past couple of weeks going into 2024 that they wanna have a low buy or no buy year. And I said, okay, me too, just with a lot less pressure. So again, things come up, things happen, all gotta be kinder to ourselves, but I really need to continue working to shift my mindset because I've already done so much work to get to the place where I am in living a simple life below my means, if you will. And I just want to continue doing that where I'm still having joy in my life, but I'm not seeking that joy from purchases and spending. I hope this was interesting to you and maybe it's something you want to be mindful of. You don't have to say you're having a low buy year, but just being mindful of a few of these points, I think could be really beneficial and interesting moving forward. I'm curious if any of you are having a low buy year, what are some of the guidelines that you are thinking of? Let me know. My DMs are always open on Instagram at Vic in the Meadow and you can find me in all my corners of the internet at Vic in the Meadow. We will have new episodes going all through the year, Sundays at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. really hope that you all had a wonderful New Year's and we're having a fun January. It's still dry and gray here in Canada or I guess Southern Ontario, not all of Canada, that's for sure. No snow, we had a rainy 12 degree Christmas. So January, we'll see you. We'll see how it goes. Maybe when this goes up, we'll get a snowstorm. Finally, who knows? Hope you're all doing well. And yeah, I don't think I have any end notes to catch up on. We kind of caught up at the beginning. So thank you for being here. And I will see y'all next Sunday. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.